you're listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey, 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 this is the Real Talk SLP podcast with your host, Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy. How is it going, all my rock star SLPs? I hope the week's treating you well, but in reality, it may not, right? I swear, you never know what you're going to get in this job. One week could be just easy breezy, you're enjoying therapy, and then next week you're like, what in the world just happened, right? Um, If you are feeling a little bit down and uninspired, just know that you are not alone. As much as I come on my podcast and on social media trying to inspire you all with engaging therapy ideas, I know that for most of this year, I have not felt very speechy. Um, I've showed up I showed up even when I didn't want to because I had a job to do, right? And I think most of us are in that boat as well. And I try to just muster up some joy sometimes just to get through the day and and do the job with a smile on my face when inside, yeah, I'm struggling. Um, So if you're struggling, for me, the thing that's been helping the most is trying to get outside for some fresh air, even if it's cold Um, and just getting away from the house and trying to find some alone time and to recenter myself so I can do it all again tomorrow. Right. And, and really recalibrate my heart each day. It's a new day, right? We got to try to recalibrate. Anyways, I have a really fun guest this week. I have Chris, the speech dude coming on. Um, we are going to be talking about how to teach perspective taking skills to your students with social pragmatic disorders. And Chris is a real, He's a real expert with with the older students, so we'll definitely be gearing this towards older students, but just know I've been a K-8 SLP. Um, You can adapt some of these takeaways with your younger students, and he's. I'm excited because he's also going to be sharing how to do this stuff virtually, which honestly, this teaching perspective taking is really difficult, and then on top of it, having to do it virtually is it adds another little barrier or layer of struggle with that. So I'm excited to have him come on and you're going to love it. So let's head on over to that interview. All right. Hey, Chris Winger. I didn't know how to say your last name, but now I do. Welcome to the Real Talk SLP podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I am excited to be here. Good morning, Felice. This is going to be a fun podcast. We are going to nail it out of the ballpark. I am telling you, we're going to put Joe Rogan's to shame. This is going to be the episode of the century. This is it right here. I hope I can uh, put Joe Rogan to shame. That's like big shoes to fill there. I know, but I feel that we can do it. I am confident. People want to know about our topic today. People want to know about stories that are going on and, and how we can help our kids best. So this is just going to be a great one. Yes. So I get a lot of questions about there. There's SLPs that don't know how to, where to start with social pragmatic therapy. And then I get a lot of questions like, how do I even teach perspective taking? And so 
this is why I wanted to have you on because this is your area of expertise. And so before we get into all that stuff, I'd love it if you shared a little bit about your um, background and the the, uh, the setting that you you work with or you work in and the students you work with. So, yeah, I mean, historically, I started off as a special ed teacher in high school. My father worked there as a PE teacher. Um, I am currently in the second largest high school district in California. So we cover 26,000 students. And um, of those 26,000 students, 26,000 of them need some work with perspective taking. And so, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we just have a lot of fun. Uh, we have been virtual now since March 13th. We have not done a hybrid model and um, we are hopefully looking to go back soon, but the dynamic has changed a little bit with the virtual pl um, platform and working with social skills and perspective taking, but um, the core need is still there. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a fun time. I will tell you it's challenging, but this is my, uh, my favorite population. I, I like this population too. Um, my mom was a PE teacher and my sister's a PE teacher. So I love PE teachers. Um, and I did one year in high school and I just couldn't hang with the schedule because they started school at 7.30. And that's just too early for me. Because <laughs> if we had IEP meetings, I had to get there at 7. So I don't know if you guys start super early. But you know what? So, um, I, you know, I have done this thing where it was difficult at first to wake up early. I read a book by a guy by the name of Robin Sharma. It's called the 5 a.m. Club. And it's just about how I can align my my day with the 2020-20 rule, which was from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. I can get 20 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of meditation, 20 minutes of exercise. So now my day has already started off by 6 a.m. I am ready to rock and roll. People ask, where do you get all this energy from, man? You've got energy the whole day. It starts because I have a healthy morning. And so the 5 a.m. thing um, has been the biggest thing for me to move forward on. When I get to campus, I'm ready to rock and roll. But um, again, that, yeah, it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy start. But I will tell you that that habit has become routine. And, um, and for me, the mornings are where I shine most. Well, that's good because you're about to have a baby and that's when they like to get up at the crack of dawn. So you might have to start your routine at four. <laughs> I used to go to bed at four back in my bachelor days in college and stuff. I was a guy that was like, all right, time to go home, 4 a.m. And so now I'm waking up at that time. I will tell you that it's... Uh, it's a lot easier waking up if you haven't had a margarita the night before. So, <laughs> oh, of course, yes. So, yeah. Just a total side note: Chris is going to have a baby soon. So, congrats, congrats on that. Oh, I'm so happy about this. A little baby speech dude coming our way. <laughs> um, yeah, he's going to be a real <laughs> rock star. Maybe he will be. He's going to have SLP parents, so he may follow in both your footsteps. So, the plan is since Jesse. Um, my fiance, since she is also a speech pathologist, we're hoping that when the baby pops out, he'll already be able to have his first words. <laughs> <laughs> that would be oh, awesome. Um, yeah, we'll so see. I always, I've been trying to ask my guests to share a song that either relates to the topic that we're talking about or just a song that is that helps you stay inspired. So do you have a song to share that either makes you think about social pragmatic therapy or just a song that you maybe would even sing to your social pragmatic groups um, to get a point across or something? 
something. Well, you fun. know, I play the guitar. I don't know if you do, but I posted a few things on social media. And so I just love tying in music, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go on a different path here. And, and this is a story I haven't told anybody. And so now on this episode, on this podcast, I'm going to share the story of, of my life. So I was married back in, you know, back in the day. Um, and I was married for five years. We, I went to the doctor several times and the doctor said, you're not going to be able to have any babies of your own. Um, and then, so, you know, a variety of such things had happened. Um, that being one of them and the divorce happened in 2015. Fast forward the tape to, um, this past year and me, um, meeting Jesse, she's on the, uh, She's on the board for Cassia, so she's a director down in LA. I met her um, as a board member up at a board meeting. And anyway, so through our dating situation, she comes to me in August and she says, and so she she says, sit down, I have something to tell you. And I was like, what's that? And so she holds up the little pregnancy thing that says she's pregnant. And I was like, oh my gosh. Now, remember, I've been told that I can't have a baby. And so she held this pregnancy thing up. I'm like, oh my gosh, who's pregnant? And she's like, Chris, what are you talking about? I'm like, someone's pregnant she's like this is this is mine I'm like no way this is not possible right my (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I was so shocked I'm like we got to go to Target we got to get we got to get some more tests I got to there's no way so the next day she you know I was like we got to see this again and sure enough my life had changed overnight because my plan was um, you know, I had lived in San Bernardino County. I had met you, you know, a couple of years ago out in San Bernardino County when you had presented with uh, Meredith from uh, Speechy Peachy, yes. Peachy Speechy. And so, yeah, that, that was my life. I bought a house. I was on my own. I had planned on selling that to move down to San Clemente and surf and be a speech path down there and just be this dude cruise in the sand. And now I'm with a girl who I love and um, who got pregnant. And so when we talk about perspective taking, we can build perspective taking through songs. And there's a song by Kenny Chesney called There Goes My Life. And my life is literally that. I listen to that song and I cry. Not even kidding. So after this podcast, listen to that song and you're going to go, oh my God, I got the chills. It is a story where the first verse of the song, he talks about these same things of my life. He was going to move out to the coast. Everything was going to be him, you know, living this uh bachelor lifestyle and his girlfriend tells him he's that they're having a baby and the song title is there goes my life so he's basically saying there goes my life it's like gone like i can't do these things i had once wanted to do second verse picks up and he talks about how he's had these countless nights of sleep and thousands of diapers later and there's these pictures that cover the refrigerator and it paints a picture of his little girl growing up and his perspective had completely changed as the song moves forward of, he says, there goes my life. But he's saying, there goes my life. This is my, this is my, how amazing my life has become. I've got this little girl who wakes up and says, daddy, I love you. And um, it's just honestly, one of those songs, if there's not a better song in the world out there for talking about perspective taking that relates to my life. And so um, there's just a lot of songs that it, I mean, it really hits home for me on that one because of the perspective. And um, so now we can translate that, you know, into other songs. I mean, country music is really where um, perspectives change. You've got Luke Combs that sings songs with different perspectives of, you know, his father passing away or, or Cole Swindell. And, um, and I've lived those situations, but they, 
are able to switch the storyline halfway through in the second course. And I'm, those are great things that we can use for our students. Have them listen to the song and break down what's going on in the first half of the song and how did it change perspectives from the viewpoint of the character in the song. So that's a good, yeah. Well, first of all, great story. Loved it. And, um, I think even in that song by Kenny, I haven't listened to it in a while, but at the end, he's even tying in, there goes my life when she graduates high school and goes off to college and just like his life, he's kind of saying my life's, there's all the work I did, you know, all the love and all the things that I did. And now she's going on to be on her own and my life's going to change again. Um, oh, yes. She packs up her Honda and he says, you're going off, you're packing, <laughs> moving out. That's exactly, the, that's it. And it's one of those things. Yeah, I mean, we have these, it's funny because as we move through this podcast, um, we will talk about, you know, a little bit on the, the perspectives that we gain from our own self are so important before we get into trying to teach our students perspective taking, because we have to look at our own lives and our own situations and things. And where do we get our own perspectives of the world? And once we get a good solid foundation on that and we can start exploring that, then it makes it a lot easier to work with our students and, and how we can meet their needs on perspective taking. Totally. And I can relate to that as a mom. I used to, you know, complain about my parents and um, just not really understand where they were coming from. And now I'm like, I've turned into my mother. Oh my gosh. That's and hilarious. I totally understand it. Right. <laughs> and I understand when you're talking about those whiny kids and, you know, uh, all that it stuff. So I totally sense. can relate to that. <laughs> right. Um, and even just how my perspective shifts as I serve students, my perspective taking has sh shifts based on who I serve or how, you know, and what their needs are and going, oh, okay, seeing it through their shoes. And that leads in, honestly, to a great question of, you know, what is perspective taking and how does it impact social communication and, and our kids that have social pragmatic disorders? I, I think that leads right in perfectly to just maybe explaining that to SLPs that are struggling with understanding the real core of what perspective taking is. The belief or the idea on perspective taking, being able to take our situation and try our best to see what the other person may be thinking, right? That's the big one. And oftentimes we'll teach our students body language and, and weigh heavily on that. But if you really think about body language, that's not putting ourselves in the mind of somebody else. Like I, I was talking to Jesse about the situation with, with the neighbor that we currently have, you know, we have this neighbor who he's got this appearance where he just looks grumpy and he's out there shoveling his leaves every day. And I'm, you know, when we first <laughs> pulled into and moved into the house, neighborhood, we're like, Oh my gosh, is this guy like some crazy stalker, serial killer type thing. And one day I had said, Hey bud, how's it going? Are you enjoying the day? It's like such a beautiful day out. And he just, you know, turned to me and he smiled a little bit and he said, it is a great day. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I'm having a, I'm having a good time. And, you know, the, the perspective on the body language initially let, let me think where I was wrong, you know, 
um, that he was this grumpy old man. And Jesse had said, oh, my gosh, just like in Home Alone, the neighbor, where, you know, it's like this really mean, grumpy looking guy. And then the story turns out to be not so grumpy after all. So <laughs> yeah. when we talk about perspective taking, we don't focus necessarily so much on the body language. Yes, that's important. Facial expressions are important. But the tone of voice and really seeking out the voice of the other people is far more important um, when it comes to perspective taking. Let me share with you a story, and your audience might like this as well. And you might recall way back in the day, I want to say it was well over a decade ago, there was a situation, I think it happened in Italy, and it was Amanda Knock. And so what ended up happening was that there was this, it was like a roommate of hers, I want to say, that had been murdered. And there, it was like her and her boyfriend and then the roommate that was with her. And she was um, acquitted for murder and placed in the Italian jail for four years. Do you remember that story at all or the name? I feel like I do. Yeah, I remember that. But I mean, it's vague. So what ended up happening in that story was that she went and sat in front of the detectives and based on her body language alone, her fidgeting a little bit and her not having normal body language and based on her being more affectionate with her boyfriend when they were doing this investigation, people, including her friends, were like, her behavior is just not lining up to what we would typically think as normal. And so the, her body language being misidentified had led her to be put in jail for four years. Turns out they found evidence they found dna um that had nothing attached to her so she was wrongly accused based on her body language alone and so you know had they have seeked you know more of her tone of voice or or, or other elements it would have been a different situation so i mean it's it goes into that perspective taking thing <laughs> which leads into why is it important to teach perspective taking skills and these types of skills to our students you know, it really, uh, it really does. So I was going to say it really, really is one of those things where what I do when I work with my students is I talk to and I talk to them and I tell them about why we work on perspective taking skills, because if they don't have buy in on speech and why they show up, sure, maybe we can say, hey, you need to learn about other people's thoughts and opinions so you can do what quote unquote is expected. But if they don't have buy in or they already think they can do it or they don't want help in it, then we're not really serving them a purpose and we're not going to meet their needs anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point. And with the age, with the older kids, you really can have those discussions about why they're there, what they're doing. And I was just going to piggyback off the body language piece that, you know, when I really think about body language, I'm almost teaching that nonverbal clue to help make social inferences and make smart guesses of what to say and do next. So it's not necessarily shifting my perspective. It's to make better predictions of what I should say in a conversation or what questions I should ask rather than understanding their perspective. Right. I love that. And, and absolutely. It all kind of ties in together. It goes hand in hand. So yeah, being able to read the small subtleties of a eye, eyebrows being lifted or a head being down uh, guides us on the questions that we can ask others and, you know, make those inferences on, on the, on the social setting as well. Yes. So I love that story and just um, breaking down perspective taking. And so maybe uh, just walking through like 
how you approach perspective taking in your therapy sessions and how you are, you know, adapting what you would normally do in a teletherapy session. So you're still, cause I'm sure you're still doing the same concepts, but you're just shifting how you're presenting them. And so if you could share some ideas, I think that would really help SLPs feel more confident about doing perspective taking in therapy virtually. <laughs> yeah, you know what I've noticed working with high school students first, they are big, we all are, I would say, but they're so big time into social media and they're big time into visuals and videos and things like that. So my therapy sessions weigh heavily on visuals, videos and things like that. So I'll end up showing them some videos from TikTok or what I'll do is I'll, you know, jump on Disney Plus and we'll pull up some scenes from you know, some of the popcorn Pixar shorts that um, are out or what we'll do is we'll get on Netflix and I'll share with them some scenes from the office because what I'll tell you is that all of those, yeah, again, going back to the perspective taking weighs heavily on being able to read somebody else's facial expressions and body language and tone of voice. And then they have fun with it too. High school, high school students love breaking down what doesn't work well in the TV shows. You know, that's why I think we find them so funny, like shows like Schitt's Creek and, and The Office and Parks and Rec is because, you know, there's a lot of things that are abnormal that go on. And it really all comes down to the tone of voice, the sarcasm being used, the indirect language that's being used. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we really run um, a lot of sessions based with with those types of things. You know, so I'll be I'll play, you know, the intro of The Office always starts off with like a minute intro of something going wrong. Like Michael Scott will do something wrong or <laughs> white. And those are such good like ways to say, what makes this scene funny? What might this character be thinking? What can you tell based on this person in the background on the way they're sitting, on the way that their body language is, on the way their facial expressions are, and then and run from it from there. So what now? What kinds of things are the are the teenagers into these days? Because I really have no other than I know they're into TikTok, but what other shows like they like The Office, Parks and Rec. What else do they like? You know, it's interesting on that um, topic because you're right. I mean, for us, you know, we're in interested in things like Schitt's Creek and other shows like Ted Lasso, but a lot, sometimes those aren't so appropriate to show our students. And they seem to still, a lot of them still like the animated stuff. So, you know, I will still do a lot of things, <laughs> even though it may not seem age, age appropriate, I could still hit a lot of a lot of things by using Disney shows. And so... That's why I have my Disney Plus account too. So we'll do things like just a lot of the animated stuff, like Disney Soul. We'll talk about, you know, we'll watch parts of Disney Soul. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but it's the character that ends up, he falls through this manhole and he dies, but it doesn't tell you specifically. So the kids have to infer, well, what happened to him? Did he die? Yeah, he did die because he fell down the, the hole and he went somewhere. Well, where'd he go? Well, it's heaven or the place before you're born, they call it like the great beyond and the great before. But then you really talk about the perspectives just through a show like that on, okay, why is he not able to walk? Well, that's because the cat's in the guy's body. So he has to relearn. He's never been on earth. I mean, there's just so many points throughout a movie like that, where we can just pause it and say, right. Okay. Well, why does he like eating pizza so much and the smell of it? And just, um, yeah, things like that I run with. 
they love the animated stuff. And that's that goes for all of the students too. That's not just for like one particular one. That's for, I'm telling you, those are the kids that are my, my AP and honors kids. <laughs> I just have to try it out and see what will happen. And and if they don't like it, then I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Because I, I used to work with middle school kids. Um, I had one kid one time tell me, are you a speech therapist or an autism therapist? Because I didn't get something right. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I messed up. I thought you'd like Finding Nemo. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so, because you, you know, you just gave me the vibe and it didn't work out. But um, yeah, that's good to know that older kids still like some of those like animated Pixar's and Disney stuff. Because I think sometimes it's like we run out of content with what to show about perspective taking. So I like all these suggestions. I know for like my fourth through sixth grade students, I use Simon's cat videos. Oh yeah. And then I'll try to find cart or commercials. If I can find commercials, I know Hallie from speech time fun has some good commercials. She always recommends for like teaching inferencing and stuff. There's so, um, Gosh, I, I don't love the show, but Jesse loves to watch the the Bachelor, and it's on Hulu. So Hulu pops up with commercial ads and stuff, and they're the Geico commercials, and there's some other insurance company, but a Geico ones I think more specifically. They have so much abstract language going on, and the ones that we've been watching the past two weeks, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> these thirty second videos just covered a whole speech lesson for me. <laughs> um, well, that's good. Yeah, so Geico would be a good recommendation. There's a uh, there's um, a company that before the animated Pixar shorts come out and um, the DreamWorks stuff comes out, they have college students that work on the CGI animation. And um, it's a company called the CG Brothers. You can actually go to the CG, um, B-R-O-S, bros.com. And there's literally hundreds of animated shorts. You'd have to just kind of sift through them and say, okay, what would be appropriate for my students? But you can, you know, go there and find a one to two minute animated short and um, use that as a lesson. You know, you pre-screen it. Kids love the the animated stuff too, like the Japanimation type stuff. And it's just something different than the Disney stuff because, you know, for me working in high school, they've already seen For the Birds and Mike's New Car and they've already seen, you know, basically every single Disney Pixar one, like Pip and you name it. But they haven't seen the CG brothers, the ones that are made prior to them getting picked up by Disney because these are all, you know, they, they're basically put in a pool and they're decided on um, through a committee on which ones will make it to the next step for, for moving forward. But that's a good resource as well. Literally hundreds of animated shorts that, that you can use. Awesome. So that was cgbrothers.com? Yeah, you got it. cgbros.com. They have a YouTube, YouTube channel as well. And then what about, you said Jap, Jap, Japanimation? Or did I say oh, that right? Oh, yeah. So Japanimation. So it's just basically like the anime style stuff where okay. kids like that. And I'll tell you why. From my perspective, in real life, in, 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 when we're interacting with people, it's really, really, really hard to pick up. Is it back to the perspective taking thing. It's really hard to pick up on the intent of somebody else or their motives if we can't pick up on the very small subtle social cues like an eyebrow lift or we could just kind of and we can kind of tell if someone's lying or not on a situation or or things like that but in some of the animated the anime stuff the characters always have these huge facial expressions they come right at you 
And it's really easy to interpret the character's actions and movements just based on their facial expressions because those are easy to read. So I think that's why the kids like it is because it's really easy to identify their faces. Now, following that idea, if I were to work with my students and show them a five-minute clip of Friends and put it on silent, you will see Joey and you will see Chandler and you will see Rachel and the characters with huge emotions. You can identify what's going on in the scene without having a volume on because that show has large facial expressions. So for all of us, we enjoy shows like that because it's easy for us to pick up on the perspectives of the characters. And so that is, a, is another great tool that I use with my students is I will take something that has large emotions and put it on silent. And then I'll tell the students, how does this character feel? And for them, it makes it fun because they can identify it. You know, the, the facial expressions in that show aren't so subtle. So um, those are just some other ideas that work great. I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's fun doing it for ourselves. It's simple. You just put it on mute. Yep. And you've you've shifted the way that something's being presented virtually. And then the cool thing about all these things that we're talking about with the videos, you're going to be able to adapt them in person. I do. I did a lot of pushing in the classroom, and I was able to use the smart boards and project all these things. So like digging and finding these videos, you will, you will forever be able to use them. It doesn't matter. So it's worth, that's my big thing is like, I don't want to be a teletherapist forever. So I only want to learn what's going to help me now and forever moving forward. You know, when we go back to in-person instruction, right. I don't know about you. I am the same way. You know what? I thrive off of human interaction. I have some energy when it comes to Zoom, but my energy levels are 10 times greater in person. <laughs> I just get so drained being on Zoom all day long. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, my sister-in-law stopped by the house when I was in a session and she's like, you were so engaging. I could hear you outside the door. And I said, yeah, and nobody talks back because I, I serve the K2 population that has complex communication needs. So I was like, yeah, I put out a lot of energy and it's not the same. That is so fun. <laughs> that age group, you have to be up out of your chair dancing to get those kids going sometimes. Right. So I'm a little jealous about your age group right now because I think I could be rocking teletherapy with the older kids. Oh yeah, um, they, they require some. Yeah, it's just that it's it definitely takes some again perspective taking from the SLP's point of view of saying, okay, what do these high school kids really want? What's going to engage them, and how can I go from there? You're right, though. You know what? This whole pandemic thing gave us a large toolkit worth of ideas and strategies that we can use. So when we go back in person or on a hybrid model, we will have so much valuable things that we, so many valuable things that we can use with our students and then from there we could do the in-person role-playing thing you know work on tone of voice and work on all of the things based on some of the videos and, and ideas that we teach you know through zoom yeah totally i agree and to kind of just wrap up talking about perspective taking i would love it if you could share with slps like how you're assessing some of these goals virtually and then what material, I know you've already shared a ton of like material ideas just with videos, but is there any other re resources or materials that you're using 
to help support students working on perspective taking? Because I think that's a big roadblock for SLPs. They don't know where to get the materials. You know what? That part of it uh, is very challenging. I'm going to piggyback on one of your recent episodes that you had about Google Chrome apps. I loved it because you had mentioned Google Forms. And so I have one form that I've created for Mm -hmm. students who um, have some social cognitive difficulties, some learning difficulties um, socially. And so that gives me a lot of information as to what their present levels are, you know, and so I'll send that to all of the teachers as well as the parents. And I will gather what is going on in the class. When they break out into Zoom rooms, are they participating with their peers? Are they asking for help? Are they um, using the chat room to seek information? Are they, you know, um, when they get stuck on something, asking for somebody else for help? Just all of that information I collect because it's just really hard for me to gather all my own data. The informal measures and the questionnaires for now have been um, a very large component of my, my measurements of where they're at. Following that up, I'll just kind of do that, you know, the social thinking methodology on the dynamic formal informal assessments. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of that stuff. So again, like, as I mentioned to you, when I put things on mute and watch uh, a a quick few minutes of an episode from friends, right there, I'm gauging on if the students, their accuracy level on on identifying what's going on and body language and facial expressions and um, all of that is I'm, I'm using for collecting data. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's that's really the big part of it, too. And then we've talked about, I shouldn't say we've talked about, but in the past, those formal standardized assessments, I know they're required for, so in high school, it'll, a lot of times, if, they've, if they're already on an IEP, it's not required to do this standardized assessments unless it's requested, like for a triennial. So I'll mention to the parent that mm-hmm. for me, the informal measures and the information they give me of what their child is doing at home and then how the teachers perceive and um, the teacher's feedback that comes to me is where I'll build my goals and move forward. So collecting really good baseline data and that might not even be, That's huge. it might, the baseline is really could also be like how they're performing in the classroom. Yeah. Because I'll tell you that if I were to just stick with the formalized assessments, you know, most of my students in high school know how to answer those questions. They know what the answer is, but they're not really performing that in their life. So if I were to just take the standardized results that I got, no, nobody would qualify. Right. Well, <laughs> you know? and it would, yeah, and it's not legally, you know, legally defensible would be to gather information from two natural environments to do some informal stuff. So I think like that that's important. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Again, and as I mentioned to you on the formalized assessments, again, every situation is different. It's like that I in the IEP, it's individualized. So um, if there's a student who has more involvement, I should say, <laughs> then those are the ones, yeah, we definitely want to tread uh, cautiously. Yes. And I don't know if you, have you heard of, you probably have heard of the clinical assessment of pragmatics. It's a video-based assessment tool. I don't know if it goes up to high school age students. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've tried it out. Um, It's cool. It shows video clips. So the child has to answer like some of those perspective taking things, but it's from a video. So as we know, when we look at a photo, the kid could spend 30 seconds looking at a, a photo and come up with an answer. But when you look at 
a video, like you said, you know, some of those subtle body language and, and tone of voice things that go so fast, it really shows like how they can, can they do this in a real situation? So, and it's standardized too. So I love that. Is that, is that maybe from the lobby Institute? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're referring to. I have not used it, but yeah, I've heard great things about that. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. I don't know if it goes up to high school age, but I mean, when in doubt, I always try to do, I do a lot of the social thinking stuff, which I think you could probably do virtually like the, uh, double interview. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And you could easily just put some pictures of yourself on a Google slide, screen share it and assess that way. Um, but yeah. So is there, I, I love all those, all these suggestions, Google forms. If you haven't started using them, they're really awesome for, for automating and collecting information that you need without having to bother people all the time. You can send it out. And then if they didn't answer it a week later, send it out again and just, and then they, whenever they are able to do it, you get the information it's collected digitally. So it's really awesome. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, I love that idea. As you mentioned with the double interview where you ask them their questions and then the hardest thing for them is when you say, okay, I want you to interview me, you know, and then they go, huh, I don't have any <laughs> questions to ask you. <laughs> like, oh, right. Man. Totally. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the perspective taking it was my mom's birthday recently. Uh, just about a week and a half ago. And coming up to her birthday, when we think about buying gifts for others, it requires us to think about what the person, what their, what their hobbies are, what they're interested in, and then saying, okay, now I can base my assumption on what they would maybe want. And then you go to the store and you buy them the gift. But the more important thing to that, that we tend to forget, and this is a big part of the perspective taking, is just asking somebody else's opinion or, or asking them a question. So for me, I stuck with my, my routine rather than assuming what she would want. I said, Hey mom, your birthday is coming up. What would you like for your birthday? You know, but that is so hard for our students who lack perspective. So when it comes to gift purchasing for all of us, if you think about it, that could be a challenge because it requires a pretty significant level of, you know, putting yourself in their shoes and what they would want. Right. And being, you know, intentionally in the know about what's going on in their life. Cause I know there's been plenty of times where I've had hobbies. Like I used to be a knitter. (laughs) Now I'm like, I don't do that anymore. I used to knit. Um, yeah. So if someone got me knitting needles, even though they knew in the past, I really liked knitting, I'd kind of be like, thanks. Right. Um, you know, and it's kind of on point, but not really, because now my new hobby is, you know, running. Um, and so that would be a good example, too, of like it is you have to constantly be addressing perspective taking in your own life. Right. And that's always and you again, as I mentioned towards the beginning is, yeah, once we start reflecting back on our own ability to perspective take in situations, then we can take that and then that becomes our therapy for our students. So, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, when's your parents' birthday? What would they want? And then there's there's your therapy lesson working on perspective taking. Yeah. I love that idea of gift giving because you can do it any time of the year and you can do all sorts of age levels. So you could literally have a month of therapy planned by thinking about gifts for different staff members or for their parents or for like, what would you get for a a young toddler versus an 11 year old. And you could almost make like profiles and have them. Right. Yeah. I love that idea. Absolutely. 
Um, awesome. Okay. Well, I just want to let everyone know that you need to head over to thespeechdude.com because Chris has this wonderful free download that gives that he lists like tons of favorite websites that you can use within therapy. And a lot of the websites are not just geared towards older students. You can definitely use them with like your upper elementary students, your middle school students. I would even say some of your younger kids. Cause I think you've, I, I downloaded it. I know there's like Pear Deck on there and right, yep. just different places to access when you're in a rut. So go um, to his website, speechdude.com. And um, when you get to the front page, it says, click here for a free handout of my favorite websites. And all you got to do is give it to me, baby, and click that button. That's it. And uh, <laughs> and it will be delivered to your email. So um, thanks, Chris, for all your stories. It was really fun talking with you. Um, is there anything else you want to share before we wrap things up? No, you know what? You covered it all right there. I wanted to say thank you so much, Felice, for having me on this episode. I really hope that the things we talked about will be valuable for the listeners. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to connecting with you in the future, but thanks again. Yeah, you're awesome. Yeah. And I forgot to mention, you need to follow him on Instagram at speech dude. He does a lot of funny, um, reels and just positivity, which I think we all need. He's just a great positive force. And so, and he's a, and he, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. He's a, he's a male SLP. We don't have a ton of those. I mean, you probably need to change that in our field, but, um, it's good to get a different perspective from a male SLP on how we should approach therapy. Am I right? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know what? It's it's all about that perspective. So, um, yeah, it's it's fun to, to be in this field. It's, uh, you know what? I feel so blessed being in it. So, absolutely. All right. Well, take care, Chris. And um, until next time, everyone, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. And don't forget to stay inspired. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Uh.